0: Let's pray. Father, we come before in Jesus' name. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you. I love you. I just pray this would be helpful. Your spirit would move. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know why I was thinking of, uh, I've said this before recently, but when Nicodemus came to Jesus at night, he said to Jesus, Uh, we know that you are from God because no one can do these things unless God is with them. And I was just looking around the room and I was just thinking about what God's done. Chris is over there nodding his head. Like, we know that you know God, Chris, because of what God's done in your life and it's impossible. And then Marlena, we know, you know, God, Jessica just stepped out of the room. We know that you have some kind of connection to God, Dom, because the kind of things that are going on in your life don't happen. Why am I skipping over some people? Because they're nicer people. They didn't, we didn't scrape them off the road with a spatula. We, uh, they, you know, they weren't insane. They weren't demonized. They weren't drug addicts. But I'm just so blessed. Like We know God is in this place because things are happening that are not humanly possible. Um, so praise the Lord. Good to be here. Good to be with people
1: that are seeking the Lord. Um, yep. So let's see here. I um kind of have free reign. We we've
0: tried to have me go every other week because we got so many people that are training, teaching, um able to preach. We want to give people chances to get up here. So the schedule is for me to go every other week and Everybody who's doing that is sticking to the book of Mark. And then Jason's like, just do whatever you want. So um, last week was really fun. I did Psalm 131, which is one of my very, again, one of my 150 favorite Psalms for sure. Um, I love it, though. I've, I've prayed through that one whenever I'm in. A lot of times when I'm in an academic setting, I just pray through Psalm 131. God, keep me away from the lofty, high, super intellectual approach to you. I don't involve myself in great matters or in things too difficult for me. I've composed and quieted my soul like a weaned child rests against his mother. So, Mother's Day, we talked about that. That's where God, that's the clearest place in the Bible where God's compared to a mother. And we're compared to a small child that's content resting in his mother's arms. We're not a theological egghead writing big, fat, you know, thousand page tomes that only a person with 150 IQ can understand. Nope, we're little children. That's where the action is. So, This week, what God's doing in my life uh, just happens to be the the Psalm, another Psalm captures it really well. So uh, I'm going to be looking at another one of my 150 favorite Psalms, which is Psalm 95.
1: So let's, someone's excited about Psalm 95. Let's just read it.
0: And uh, sometimes we try to put it up on the board, but it's always a different translation. Do we need to pray for the gift of administration in our church? I don't know. It's kind of fun when it's a little bit, I don't know, not so ordered. Jim Simbel is my favorite pa- pastor, and he says, keep it a little disorganized so the Holy Spirit can work in the, you know, so you're not too locked down. And, no, God, there's no room for you here this morning because, you know, the sermon has to be 32 and a half minutes, and then the song has to be three point, you know, whatever. So, five. so anyway, Psalm 95. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. So
1: loud, boisterous worship is a command. It's going on in the Old Testament. It's going on in heaven.
0: So highly unlikely, God tells us in the New Testament era, when we get all these exalted, amazing truths, and the least in this, this era is greater than the greatest in the last era. That's what Jesus said, that we're supposed to fold our hands and... You know, anyway, let us come before his presence with thanksgiving, shout joyfully to him with psalms. Maybe we can obey scripture this morning. What does hallelujah mean? It means boast, boast in Yahweh. Do you have anything to boast in Yahweh about? I was just talking about all these impossible people and Travis just sat down back there. And Another thing, we know God's in this place because Travis is here. We know God's in this place because Dom is here. We know miracles are happening. Um, a lot of people aren't in this place because they're having babies. I'm like, where are the high songs? Oh, they had a baby. You know, <laughs> Where's Levi? Oh, they had a baby. So where's Lynette? Oh, she's taking care of the high songs. So anyway, but do we have anything to boast in? So what do you shout? You shout hallelujah. So let's shout hallelujah. No, shout it. So, wait, I'll, I'll count to three. Let's try it again. One, two, three. Amen. You know, what's funny is you can't hear anything that's going on with the audience the way that we tape these things. So when I tell a joke, it sounds like nobody's laughing. Like right there, the people are listening and they're like, what's going on? It's like, we're going to have to get a laugh track. We're going to have to give it to the guys. We're not going to have to push a button every time when we're recording this because it's not coming through. So I don't know if anybody heard the hallelujah, but yeah. Shout. Why? Because God's done stuff. That's why there's some people worshiping and crying in the front of the church. And then there's some people going, what, are they crazy? What's going on down there? How undignified? It's like, well, you probably never had God do stuff for you. Like save your life, like get you off meth, like get you off the street, like get you over an addiction, like get the screaming voices out of your head or the debilitating depression or the suicide or the anxiety or through, through your meds in the trash. I guess that's never happened to you. Otherwise, you'd be shouting hallelujah too. So this psalm, shout. For the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods, in whose hands are the depths of the earth. The peaks of the mountains are his. The sea is his. He made it. His hands formed the dry land. This is not about religion. There is a God in heaven who made it all, and we can connect to him and experience his power in our life. That's where you say. Or amen. Yeah. Either one. I, <laughs> I didn't tell you what to say. Usually you say amen. I mean, it's true. That's true. Amen is it's true. So
1: come let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. He's our God. We're the people of his
0: pasture, the sheep of his hands. And this, but all that's just lead in. Because what I want to talk about, this is where, Just lead in, shout. God's so great. He's so powerful. He wants to get involved in our lives. He does miracles for us if we line up. It's like a waterfall that's always going. It's called the Hesed of God, the kindness of God, which is Hesed is everlasting. It's always the same. He doesn't have bad days and angry days and grumpy days like you guys do. He just has only loving kindness and faithfulness and compassionate and gracious days. It's all he's got and slow to anger days, but it's up to us to go stand under the waterfall. It's always going, but we're over here. Oh, God, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? Usually it's because you wandered away. The waterfall's always going. Where, why'd you wander away? So he's talking about how great God is, how good God is, how powerful God is. And then he says, today, if you would hear his
1: voice, who in here wants to hear his voice? If you'd hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Today, if you'd hear his voice, don't harden your heart. I also think God's always speaking.
0: There's another Psalm I love, Psalm 29. Um, Ascribe to the Lord, O sons of the mighty. Ascribe to the Lord, glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord, the glory to his name. Worship the Lord in holy array. And then it says, the voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thunders. And it just talks about God's voice is shaking creation and it's always speaking. It's just rattling everything and shaking everything. And then some people think God has gone
1: mute. Mute. No, God's not gone mute. You've gone deaf. He's always speaking. We can always be experiencing his reality in our life. When we're not, we're not hearing. That's the problem.
0: The heavens are telling of the glory of God. There's another good Psalm, 19. Their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Day to day pours forth speech. Night to night reveals knowledge. There's no speech. There's no wor- you know, words. Uh, it's in silence that through creation you look out and he's just roaring speaking to us worship me i'm here so but if you want to hear his voice don't harden your heart as at meribah you know what meribah is as in the day of massa in the wilderness susan and i on the way here we're talking about There's just such a problem with Christians today, even pastors, even even theological professors. We just don't know the Bible. Back in the day, they could sing this in church, and the four year olds would be going, Oh, yeah, Massa, Meribah. Oh, sure, Mephibosheth. I know. Oh, yeah, of course. Melchizedek. Yeah, yeah. Now, pastors are like, Oh, what's that? What's Mephibosheth? What's Massa? I don't even know. Seriously, we just don't even know the Bible anymore. And like, uh, a lot, of, a lot of churches, even in this town, they don't even believe the Bible anymore. So why should you know it if you don't even believe it? But they used to be able to drop these references in the middle. This is Israel's songbook. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, we don't want to do that. One thing we don't want to do, we don't want to do what they did at Massa, a.k.a. Meribah. Because that's what it is. It's an a.k.a. Massa Meribah. Massa, it means basically place of testing because they tested God, tried God. Uh, Meribah means place of contention, because they basically were contending with God and God's servant Moses. So not a good place.
1: Today, if you hear his voice, don't do what they did there. This is also something really interesting.
0: Until they uh, collected the Gospels and the letters, which they did pretty early, they pretty early realized that the Apostle Paul's letters were Scripture. Peter calls the Apostle Paul's letters Scripture. Um, people understood that when Peter writes something, it's pretty important. You know, lock it down, copy it, pass it around. But, you know, it took a little while before they gathered them all together, um, kind of put the stamp on it. But everybody was pretty, er, in the first century, like there's only four gospels. The writings of Paul, those are super important. Peter, they're like, whatever the apostles said, those are important. But they didn't have a New Testament. Um, they, the first Christians, they were getting all their teaching out of. The Old Testament, but they're, like Susan was saying, they're finding all these beautiful New Covenant ideas, and they could take a psalm, and they could teach a bunch of New Testament truths from it. So we should know the Old Testament, be very familiar with it, but realize this was, this was the teaching pool for the earliest Christians, were these Old Testament books, and especially the songs. The songs, if you, if you uh, look at the New Testament quotations of the Old Testament, uh Psalms are the number one uh, referred to Old Testament book. What's number two? Isaiah, look at you Bible scholars. Yeah, but Psalms is number one. So it was very common for for New Testament believers. And it was also very common because this was their hymn book. They would just know them all. So at some point in your life, you're really, really, we're we're so far behind. We're so far behind. We're so far behind. The, the, the first century Christians, and then in history, those that were really mighty, because to be mighty, you need to know the word. But anyway, he refers to Massa, Meribah. What in the world was going on in Massa and Meribah? Your fathers tested me. Same root as Massa. It's actually Nasa, but it's in Hebrew. You knock the N off and you put an equivalent of an M on there. Anyway, we don't need to go into Hebrew. So your fathers tested me. That's why
1: I called it. Massa, they tried me, though they had seen my work. And I was just talking about when we started. God's doing stuff in this place, yes? Go watch the
0: testimonies, miracles, transformation of life, things you can boast about. Say, you know how God is real? Hey, I'll give you a name and a number. I'll have you meet someone this afternoon. Shattered, demonized, crazy, In a mental hospital,
1: sane, happy, healthy, fruitful. Anyway, they saw my work, but they still hardened their hearts. For 40 years, I loathed. But again, Hebrew words only have the exact connotation sometimes as English words. Or grieved over that generation. 40 years. That's talking about they're wandering around in the wilderness. Why? Because they wouldn't listen.
0: The offer was, hey, let's take, uh, I don't know, several weeks and let's get to the promised land. You guys can go in and, you know, they, they, there's a story where when they spy out the land, they come out with grapes and they carry them between two poles because they're so massive that, they, I mean, I don't know how big, they're, I mean, they like, What are they, apple-sized grapes? But they they bring out some of the produce of the land. And God's like, a land flowing with milk and honey. There's houses in it you didn't build, fields you didn't cultivate. It's just, I just want to get you there and get you in. They wouldn't listen. They wouldn't obey. So he said, okay, you guys can just walk around in the
1: wilderness and die. You don't want to listen to me. And I'll let your kids in. Well, that wasn't very nice. Well, it's because you don't know the Bible. When he said that to him,
0: he actually said, I'm not letting you in because you have tested me these 10 times. You have proven to me that you will never yield. You're never going to yield. What kind of tests? Well, the same sort of tests that we go through. God puts us in a crunch Difficult situation, right? Talking to someone the other day about the trial of injustice. You're falsely accused. You run out of money, financial tests. Maybe you have a health diagnosis. You're God's child. Now, now if you're not God's child, this won't make a whole lot of sense to you. God puts us, he, he doesn't actually create these scenarios. He just lets us go into them. The world's just full of fire and we're going to hit them. And he says, when you hit those fires, this is where you learn and you grow. You it just motivates us. We just don't pray otherwise. You know, if we don't have a rebellious kid, we're not going to stay up praying till midnight. If we don't have financial trouble, we're not going to be, God, you know, guide me, deliver me. We're just lazy, you know, we just sit around and drink lattes and play on our smartphones. But trials force us to cry out to God, to seek God, to learn new things, to go in new directions, and ultimately conform us into the image of Christ. That's what they're supposed to do. So we have these Old Testament stories, and, and so we have these visual aids. They're like pictures. It's kind of like our picture book. So we have a spiritual principle, but we needed an allegory. But they're actual history, but God uses them kind of like picture stories so we can understand spiritual truths. Let's see what Israel does when they get in a crunch, when they get in a tight spot. Every time they hit a crunch, they complain and groan and moan and want to forsake God and want to kill Moses and want to go back to where they were when they were in bondage every single time, 10 times. And then towards the end of this testing cycle, they have this Meribah account where they run out of water and they tell Moses, you know, well, you brought us out here in the wilderness to die. And we want to go back to Egypt and we had leeks and onions and good things to eat. And now we're just, you know, and, they're, they're blaming Moses. They're blaming God every time they get in a tight spot. And so Moses has to go and talk to God and, oh, God, what do I do? These people are complaining again. They want to kill me. They want to go back to Egypt every single time. Complain, murmur, groan, moan. Um, and God says, okay, now go, go, to, go speak to this rock. No, first of all, he says, strike the rock. This happens twice. First time he says, strike this rock. With your staff, the same staff that he used to take down the world superpower of Egypt. But uh, what is this? Exodus 17. Strike the rock, water will come out. But so Moses does, and the people drink. And then it's just the next trial. They fuss and complain and moan and groan. And uh, he said, for 40 years, they saw my work. They saw my miracle. They saw me take care of them. But every single time they get in a crunch. They'd fuss and complain and groan and moan and disobey. And, and I mean, they, they truly did. They wanted to kill Moses, stone Moses, stone Aaron, go back to Egypt, the land of bondage and slavery. So God said, for 40 years, I, you know, I
1: just said, okay, you guys can wander around. You're unworkable. You don't listen. You're unworkable. 40 years, I love that generation. Said there are people who err in their heart. Okay, what happens in their heart? They've hardened it.
0: They, they can't hear God. How do you harden your heart? When you hear his voice, you don't obey. They've, they err in their heart. They don't know my ways. One of my favorite Hebrew words. 50 extra points for anybody who knows it. Yeah, Derakim, right? Derakim, that's what God said. Moses said, let me know your ways and I may know you. God said, compassionate, gracious, sort of anger, abounding in loving kindness and faithfulness. When you know God like that, you don't, fuss and complain and cry and crash into depression when you get into a crunch you're like oh god loves me more than my mom he wants to help me more than my best friend does he's incredibly patient so even if i cause this problem he's still going to forgive me and get me out they they don't know my ways they've seen my works but they don't know my ways therefore i swore in my anger you will not enter into my rest." if you don't listen to god you're not going to experience his rest Interesting thing is, in the Old Testament, I would say Israel, they were still his people. He was still watching over them. He still wanted what's best for them. He would still protect them, provide for them, etc. But they're wandering around in the wilderness because they wouldn't obey. And they all had to die, that whole generation. And then the book of Joshua is, and, and the Deuteronomy is actually sermons for the next generation, and then the book of Joshua is they go in, and they listen, and they get all the good stuff. So we have this incredible God, according to Psalm 95. Today, if you want to hear his voice, don't harden your heart. What's a good example, Moses? Well, think about Meribah. Think about Massah. I could have pulled up a bunch of others, but uh, let's just, they like to refer back to this one because actually there's two events that happen there that are very significant. I'm going to refer to the other one here in a minute. The first one involved, well, they both involved the whole nation. But um, anyway, I'll, I'll explain this here in a minute. But they dropped the ball. And then uh, after this one in Exodus 17, you get to Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. You get to Numbers 13. God says, go in the land, check it out. They go in the land. Oh, it is just, it's awesome. Just like God said it was uh, the 12 spies go in and then when they come out, 10 are just like, there's giants in the land and we can't win them. And can we can't, we can't, we're like little grasshoppers and boohoo." And they get all the people once again, moping and complaining and kill Moses and let's go back to Egypt. And God brought us out here to die. And God, and God, that's when God said, that's it. That's when he said, all right, 10 strikes, you're out. That's pretty gracious. I mean, if that was how the World Series worked, well, that, was, that was more than fair. Yeah. Ten strikes. It used to be three, but now it's ten. Yeah, it's more than fair. And, and these are colossal strikes. One of them was uh, the golden calf. Hey, let's uh, punt Yahweh and create some sick, twisted Canaanite deity and have a pagan drunken orgy. And Moses is gone. That's literally what happened. And that's when Moses comes down off the mountain and he takes the, you know, he shatters the things like, what are you guys doing? Why do you guys, why are you always like this? That was one of the strikes. These are not little
1: things. But Meribah and Massah, that's one of them. He said, don't do that. Don't disobey. Don't doubt. Come to know the
0: ways of God. And if you want to hear God's voice and you want to have fun, I have lots of fun as a Christian. I enjoy, I didn't always because I used to be nuts and I used to think Christianity was a suppressive bunch of rules and laws and God was into arbitrary, weird things that don't make any sense just because he was arbitrary and weird and just wanted to make our lives miserable. And then the longer I go, oh, everything he asks us not to do will kill us like sexual immorality and lying and cheating and stealing. Those will kill us. Uh, that's why he just wants to do it. And all the things he wants us to do will bless us. Oh, it takes it took
1: a little while for me to figure that out. But uh anyway, you want to hear God's voice? Don't harden your heart. And I why am I thinking about this? Because I had an issue come up. I was this morning.
0: I need God to come through in a very big way for me. I'm standing on the kind of the precipice of one of the biggest faith leaps I've ever taken in my life. And you guys know what that is. Most of you. Yeah. Our church doesn't have any business trying to acquire a property, but we didn't have any business doing almost everything we've done up to this point. Seriously. For this little tiny church, we're like paying four people. We got an internship. We got missionaries on the other side of the planet who are here with us this morning. I always love seeing who's on Zoom. We were doing all kinds of crazy stuff. We should, so here's the next thing. It's the biggest thing. And God's like, Ted, there was something, there was something you didn't quite deal with. Well, I kind of did. I kind of sort of halfway third way did. I was, I was planning on finishing and wrapping it up down the road somewhere. I was sorta, kinda
1: obeying. And God's like, look, if you want, if you don't have my favor. I don't want you to sort of kinda sloppy. Obey. I want you to wholeheartedly, completely, absolutely obey. And if you do that,
0: your hearing apparatus will be very keen. Some people like, why does God never speak to me? Right? They're in the wrong job. They're dating the wrong person. They're sleeping in on Sundays. They're getting drunk on Saturdays, and you know, not praying in the morning, not studying the Word. They're full of they're you know besetting sins. Why does God never speak to me? You know, why is he always speaking to Joe and Sam? Why does he like them better than me? He doesn't like anybody better than anybody else. There's just people that have shut down their hearing apparatus by being just flat disobedient. And there's some people that really, really work hard to keep the channel clear. Is your channel clear? There's absolutely, I know if God was hammering me this morning and I had to make a huge decision, talk to Susan when she got up, I said, I know this hurts, but we're going to plow forward with this thing. I absolutely know that maybe half this room, you got something you're dragging your feet on. You're like, why isn't God speaking to me?
1: (laughs) Because you're stopping up your ears. If you want to hear his voice, obey. Obeying what? Well, let's start with the really obvious things. One time, well, a friend of mine, he's quoting a pastor friend of
0: his, actually. I wasn't in the sermon. But his pastor friend said, everybody's always saying, I want God to speak to me. I want God to speak to me. And he slams his Bible down. He goes, he's giving you 66 books? Well, I want God to give me some mystical Gnostic secret message about how amazing I'm going to be and
1: not what he's going to do for you. He's going to say, hey, you know, your roommate who ripped you off, forgive him. Let it go. You don't, need to, you don't need to equalize all the imbalance
0: in the universe. God said, I already took care of that at the cross. Just let it go. Pray for their blessing.
1: Pray for their salvation. I got gotcha. you. Right? And then again, young people, You're dating the wrong
0: person. Stop forcing that through. It is not going to end well. Just walk away. Yeah, you'll cry. And the longer you push this thing, the harder you're going to cry. So you might as well break up today and minimize the pain of it. But if that's not the one, listen and obey, especially if you're in an immoral relationship. You blew the thing up. So you can, keep, you can go to a church that will tell you something different, and then you can call me in five years and talk about the hell you're in. I'm serious. I've been, I've been around the block enough times to know how this works. And you know what? In this church, we have good marriages. name, man. We do. We have good marriages because we don't play these kind of games. The Bible says this is God's will for you, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. The book of Hebrews you know, let the marriage bed be undefiled. Fornicators and adulterers, that's sex before marriage, that's sex with someone who's not your spouse after marriage, will be judged. That means there's things built into the system. They're going to run you over like a truck. Why don't we obey in those areas? Right now, all the churches are trying to change the rules. They're trying, oh, no, I didn't even plan on going off on this, but it's like the issue today. Homosexuality is a sin, people, and men aren't women, and women aren't men. And, and since this has gotten in the church, fornication and divorce are nothing anymore. Somehow everything's been just tossed to the wind. It's just a sexual free-for-all now. Baloney. Read the
1: word. That's why people can't hear anymore. We've punted the, the sexual ethics of the Bible. What about bitterness?
0: I didn't realize that was the biggest hindrance in the church of God until I took my first pastorate. Virtually, well, there's one pastor who kind of specialized in this. He said 75% of the body of Christ is hung up on bitterness. According to the New Testament, bitterness is a open door for the demonic. devil doesn't care if you're born again. He will still make your life a living hell if you hold on to bitterness. There's somebody out there in this world, and you're like, well, you don't know what I've been through. Well, I guarantee you, I know someone who's been through worse and they might be sitting in this room. So come up afterwards and try me. How about raped by your own father? Okay, I had a bunch of people like that. God will give you the grace and the supernatural ability to forgive that
1: person. Of course you can't do it. He'll give you the grace to do it. There's these clear teachings in scripture,
0: right? Don't forsake the assembling together of believers. We got these Christian cranks that think they're too smart for every church in the universe and uh, fishing is my church. No, it isn't. Church is your church. Find one. Right. And if you find the perfect church, Mr. Crank, don't join it because you'll screw it up. But there is no perfect church, but we still do this together because the Bible commands it. So there's there's just so many things tell the truth. Stop padding your resume. Stop cheating on your taxes. God's like, we don't need an angel to tell us this stuff. All we have to do is study the word. So now you can graduate and you do start getting those cool mystical guidance type messages kind of on kind of higher level graduate studies in uh, walking with the Holy Spirit, but not before you pass preschool. Are you getting up in the morning to seek God's face? The Bible rebukes those who don't know the Bible. Why is someone... 20 years in the faith, and they don't know the books of the Bible in order. What is that? (laughs) Come on. We're just, and they're like, why isn't God speaking to me? I I quote this a lot. It's one of my new favorite chapters in the Bible, Zechariah 7. God says, you don't listen to me. I don't want to listen to you. He doesn't have that accent, but that's what he says. You don't listen to me. I don't listen to you. Oh, God, guide my paths,
1: fix this financial trouble. La, 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 la. I can't hear you, can't hear you, can't hear you.
0: How about you start giving your first and best of your finances to me? Oh, there you go. Preacher teaching about money. Then leave our church and go do it somewhere else. I'm serious. If you think I'm playing that game, anybody who knows me knows that I'm not about money. I don't, I don't give a rip. And my wife has had to live with me and it hasn't been easy. I don't care. But it's a fact. When you get paid, you take the cream off the top and you give it to God always. That is a principle that precedes the old covenant. Some people go, that's in the Mosaic law. No, it goes all the way back to Abraham. That's a principle that's built into the system. And Paul tells us to do it in the letter to the Corinthians. Well, I'll do it when I can afford it. No, do it now.
1: We have to obey. Obeying the stuff we know. And, and, and we've got people in this room that, that you want to obey, and that's why God's starting to move. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Have you been hardening your heart? Complaining? I, I looked up, a.
0: I just thought, somebody has to have kind of streamlined this whole, what were the 10 offenses of Israel? Because I can't. I could name a bunch, but I don't know if the, they're the 10, because there's a lot more. Almost everyone that this guy chose was complain, 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 complain,
1: complain, complain. Are you a complainer? Knock it off. Rejoice in the Lord always.
0: Consider it all joy when you encounter various trials. I don't know how. Then talk to somebody who knows how, and they'll explain how it works. Why do we rejoice in Well, one of the reasons you don't know how to do it is because you don't know the Bible. You train yourself. Oh, a trial. Sweet. Okay. I'm going to learn some new things. I'm going to become more like Jesus. And then God's going to spring me. And there's a really good chance in the midst of this trial,
1: I'm going to make some incredible new friends. You actually get excited. You get excited. You want to know about my greatest seasons, breakthroughs, times where I learn stuff most wonderful moments of my marriage, in the cooker. In the cooker. You know where I make my
0: best friends? In the cooker. You know where I see my biggest miracles? In the cooker. So you learn when you get in the cooker, you don't moan and groan and complain and accuse God, why don't you love me and this is not what I signed up for? Well, why don't you read the manual and find out what you signed up for? So we just have to obey. We have to obey. So Israel just wouldn't, they wouldn't obey, they wouldn't listen, they wouldn't trust. And in the psalm, it says, they don't know my ways. Some of you guys are like, well, I will obey God if he really shows me how good he is. No, obey him because he's God.
1: Start there. Um, And just put your nose to the grindstone, do what you need to do. And then God
0: will say, I like that. Now I'll show you who I am and then he will floor you because he's so much better than you ever thought he was. But he's not going to show you until you start listening. Now, I should probably throw the gospel out here. We have some new people and I never know who's yeah, I never know who's on Zoom and you can't do any of this by yourself. The problem, our problem right out of the gate, right when we're born is we are rebels. We're little rebels. We can't submit to God. We don't have it within us to submit to God. And some people are like, well, I'm a really good person. I do good things. Yeah, but you do them for selfish reasons, so they don't count. If you do them for selfish reasons, I work really hard. Yeah, because you're trying to make a name for yourself, and you're trying to you know, pad your 401k, and you're trying to get a raise. You're trying to work the person who's above you, Right. I'm a good person. I give to charity. Yeah, so you can win the Citizen of the Year Award and get your paper, you know, face on the you know, front of the newspaper or whatever or in the magazine. It's, we're just so selfish. And it ruins almost all the good that we say we're doing. And none of us are really all that good anyway. And like I said, if I had all your dirtiest deeds on my phone, you wouldn't be able to look me in the eye ever again. None of you. None of you would. Um, and I wouldn't be able to look you in the eye if you had mine dirty D video anyway we're dirty sinful rebels and we need jesus said unless a person is born again they can't enter the kingdom of heaven so we need god to do a miracle within us we need to come to god and say god i'm a rebel i've, I've sinned against you forgive me that's why jesus came into this world was to die your death because you deserve to die because you're a sinner jesus died your death they put him in the ground he rose on the third day and he said it's all done Anybody that comes to God now can be forgiven for whatever they have done, any sin they've committed, and once they're forgiven, I will put my spirit in them, so now they'll have new desires, new power, and they can really live. So I'm talking to you Christians. If you're not born again, none of this will work for you. I'm talking to you Christians who have the power of God in them because you're born again. When God tells you to do something, you can do it. He's not going to ask you to do anything you
1: can't do. It may involve getting other people involved. You know, that's what the Bible says. If any of you are stuck, what
0: kind of sins get people stuck? Depression, suicidal thoughts, eating disorders, sex addictions, those kind of things, really shameful stuff. Reach out. Anybody who wants to throw stones at you has no clue how the kingdom works and has no clue how dark their own soul is apart from Christ. People that really get it, they'll be like, hey, welcome to the club. We're all dirtbags before Jesus. Let's help. Let's, we'll help get you out of this. And that's what this church is full of, former dirtbags and sinners and reprobates who have been born again and made new. And so then God puts that power in your heart and he gives you new desires, gives you new resources, and then you can actually pull it off. But for those of us who are Christians, we want revival, Right. We want what they had in the book of Acts. But for revival to happen, people have to be hearing God and then responding. Everybody, everybody in the church has to be hearing and responding because the church, if you study scripture, it's not about one person. It's not a one person show. The, the Bible says the church is a body and everybody participates. Everybody's obedience is important. And, uh. If we want to have revival in this church, we're seeing a bunch of wonderful things. And God's really moving, and there's love, and there's unity. It's, it's super fun. Very specific answers to prayer, especially since we started praying after the service and done, started the all-night prayers and stuff. Just a whole bunch of super wonderful things have happened. Um, I don't even want to go into it. But if you're not familiar with them, go online and watch some of the testimonies. But we're way behind on the testimonies. We only have like 10 of them up. We're way behind. We got to get on Lars's case, as if he's
1: not busy enough. But, um. But we want more. You know, you, you, you see the people that God's touch their lives, transforming their lives. We've not even scratched the surface in Manhattan.
0: There's, there's broken people all over the place. They're living on either side of you and across the street. They need what you have. We want to see a move of the Holy Spirit. We want to see God move in power. We want to experience that peace and that joy, that fullness that he wants to give us. What's the key? Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Your role in revival is essential. There's the story of a battle in the Old Testament. Once once. The older generation dies, they won around 40 years and they die. Then jo- the Joshua generation goes in and they have this outrageous victory at Jericho. Just incredible. They are obedient just to the minutest detail. God gives them this crazy plan against this, these impenetrable walls of this great city. It's it's bonkers. The plan doesn't make any sense at all, but they follow it to a T and they have this overwhelming victory. And then they're kind of like, (laughs) we're pretty awesome. Let's just go over there and mop up this little town real quick called AI or I, spelled A-I.
1: But anyway, and they go over and they get humiliated. And God said, oh, problem is the whole team isn't
0: listening and obeying. There's one guy. I told you when you won that last battle, don't touch any of this stuff. It's, It's under the ban. So don't touch any of the stuff. And uh, some guy saw some stuff. And he's like, well, i a little stuffer. You know, I think I'll take some stuff. That's why you lost. One person blew it for the whole group. People died. People lost husbands and fathers and friends and sons. and Because one
1: person didn't want to listen. And when you're in a body like this, if you don't want to listen, it's going to affect us all. If you're going to delay, it's going to affect us all. God's going to tell you to give someone a phone call. God's going to tell you to make friends with someone.
0: God's going to tell you to get up to the mic, tell the church something, exhort the church, confess something, pray for the first time. And you're sweating and your heart's beating and you're just like, I can't do it. I'll try next week. You're just slowing down the whole program. But when everybody... All of God's people are saying, God, like little Samuel, he's a guy in the Bible too. When all the adults were too hard-headed to listen, they said, now the voice of the Lord in those days in the book of Samuel was infrequent. Well, it was because nobody was listening. So he's got this little guy named Samuel, and uh, he's all ears. And God raises him up to be the last of the judges, and he anoints the first two kings of Israel, including David, and kind of inaugurates that. Era of the kings, but he's a godly man. He's he, when, when the Lord speaks, he says, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening, not just listening. All right, that's what you think, but I'm doing this. No, listening means obeying. So, when all of God's people are listening and obeying, are you in the right job? Are you right? Are you dating someone you shouldn't be? Are you now? This is touchy. Do your parents have more control over you than they ought to? Because, uh, in here, we're big boys and girls, you know, except the little tiny ones. But there comes a time where you get to say, uh, God is the one who is calling the shots in my life. And, uh, yeah, your family will throw a fit because they wanted you to be a dentist and live, you know, like, like everybody lives. Raymond, you know, that old show. They want you to live right across the street so they can have the grandkids. Like, well, maybe some of you guys got some, you know, they're going to be, God needs missionaries. God needs you to be radically obedient. And guess what? Your family get over it and they'll still love you. They may threaten and they may say outrageous things, but eventually it's, oh, darn, the tantrum didn't work. Hey, honey, uh, just wondering, do you want to come over for dinner Friday night? They'll get over it. I've just seen it time and time again. But some of us,
1: we're not obeying God because we're worried about our friends, our family, our parents, our siblings. So today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart.
0: Like they did at Meribah, Massah, like that whole that whole generation did. Be the Joshua generation. Now we don't fight physical wars anymore. Again, this is these are physical pictures that help us. Our battle is spiritual. We we fight our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against spiritual forces. Uh, Ephesians six says demonic powers. So we don't hate people and bring swords against people. That's not Jesus never did anything like that. Um, That's Old Covenant. That's caveman spirituality. That's quite literally what's going on. They don't have spiritual clarity about what's going on in the spiritual realm where the real battle is. So they're fighting physical battles. And God said, these physical battles will help you to understand
1: the spiritual battles that you're fighting. We're fighting spiritual battles. Spiritual battles take prayer. Somebody,
0: I don't want to blow the whistle on anybody, came into the prayer meeting last night. And they said, God was putting his finger on me. I tried to resist it and I tried to, but it's hard when there's a prayer meeting that's going on and on and on and on. And God is going, get there, get there, get there, get there. And finally he showed up, showed up late, hung in there till the end, but that's where the battle's fought. So if we're going to fight the battle, God tells you to be at something like a prayer meeting, be there. God tells you to give, give. God tells you not to give, don't give. God tells you to spend time with this person, do it. God will tell you not to spend time with a certain person. But we have to be the kind of people, Lord, just speak. Make it clear to me what you want. So the the older generation of Israelites, they just totally lost out. They didn't get diddly. They died in the desert. Interesting, there's a second Meribah account in Numbers 20, but this is after Israel drops the ball. It's after Moses in uh, Numbers 14, God says, I can't work with them. But then Moses actually is kind of helping them, helping them as they're wandering out in the wilderness. And they come again, we need water. We're going to go back to Egypt. We're going to kill you guys. You know, you stink. This religion stinks. We hate it here. Blah, blah, blah. So Moses goes and seeks the Lord. And he says almost the exact same thing that he said back in Exodus 17 and uh, Numbers 20. And he says, but this time, Moses, instead of striking the rock,
1: speak to the rock, and water will come forth. But Moses is ticked off. He's angry. These people, man, can you imagine? I just, there are churches that aren't easy to lead.
0: Seriously. And there are pastors that are ticked off. I'm not one of them. This you guys are this is super easy church to lead. Super easy.
1: Um, But Moses is trying to lead this bunch of rebels that threatened to kill him repeatedly. Gosh, they're
0: just crazy. Uh, And so he goes out and he's like, again, don't you remember when we were at this rock the last time that God was faithful? And he said, all right, you rebels, and he takes the staff and he goes, Whack, what have your blinking water? He didn't actually say that. That's not in any translation. And then God said,
1: All right, Moses, now you don't get to go into the promised land. Because that was a sort of obedience. That was a very disrespectful display towards me you didn't do what i said
0: precisely exactly and you of all people need to show reverence and respect
1: to me so people know how to do it so you don't get to go in i was thinking there's different kinds of obedience a lot of christians are
0: like where's god why isn't god speaking to me it's because you don't give a rip what the word of god says you're not tithing you're not going to the church you're supposed to go to I'll tell another funny story now. Maybe I'll leave that one alone. That one's a little too personal. I'll leave that one alone. Uh, I've not not had anybody say, I'm pretty sensitive. I'm pretty good about knowing when I'm good. If I ever step too far over the line and I share something I shouldn't, I'm pretty good about holding back. But this one, I'm not going to share. But uh, we go to the churches for the wrong reasons. It's where the cool people are. It's where the beautiful people are. It's because I'll be stigmatized if I go to that church. Who gives a rip? Where'd God tell you to go? Go there. We take jobs for all the wrong reasons. More money, 401k, better uh, health, whatever, insurance, uh, closer to the family. God says, yeah, but I wanted you out in the middle of nowhere doing something without prestige. That's my plan for you. Well, you know, it doesn't really make sense. I've talked to other Christians. Even my pastor was like, that doesn't make any sense. Not this pastor. But anyway, some pastor. So we're just disobeying. We're not really earnestly trying to hear and obey. them. we're like, why isn't God listening? So that's one category.
1: But then you have Moses, because of anger, frustration, disappointment. He sort of obeys. He's disqualified. That kind of stinks, doesn't it? He just did so well for so long.
0: But, I mean, he got to heaven, so he's not complaining. I mean, because everything on earth is just a shadowy 15th rate, you know, imitation of what the good stuff in heaven is. So he's not complaining. But it's, it's for us to see. God doesn't want your sort of obedience either. He wants obedience, like Paul said. God wants a cheerful giver, right? He wants someone. He wants the right action with the right motive. If you don't have the right motive, talk to someone who has wisdom so they can help you get your head on straight so you can see why God would want you to do this, etc. So you can have a right attitude. So you're not grumbling and complaining, smacking things. Oh, I'm tired. Get off my back,
1: right? right, I'll go to the prison. I'll do a Bible study instead of watch TV. No, you're kidding know. What about me time? I don't get any me time, right? God doesn't want that. He doesn't want your sort of obedience. He wants, he wants people that just have no resistance. Like Mary. We don't worship Mary. We don't pray to Mary. She's just a great gal all she is just a great gal wonderful response when the angel lord shows up
0: let it be done to me exactly the way you just said god that's how it needs to go down whatever you want that's what i want exactly let it be done to me just as you've spoken god's like i can work with a person like that you ever wonder why she got to bear the son of god Oh, God just liked her better, just arbitrary, just picks people. No, if you want to hear God's voice, you want to be a part of the good stuff, listen and obey. So you got the disobeying, you got the kind of obeying, but then you got the total wholehearted obeying. And so that you also have an example of that in this Numbers 14 passage. I know I'm confusing with all these references, but uh, this is where God cuts them off and says, I can't work with you. You failed 10 times. But if you go to Numbers 14,
1: He says, Caleb, Caleb gets to go in. Do you know why Caleb gets to go in? Let's see here. All right, I'm not there yet. Come on, Numbers 14. My servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit, has followed
0: me fully. 1424. I will bring into the land which he entered and his descendants shall take possession of it. Nobody else gets the blessing except Joshua, of course, but I think everybody knew Joshua was getting in like, by the way, Caleb, he's a little more obscure. This dude's heart is for me completely. He later on pulls Joshua and he says, both
1: Joshua and Caleb get to go in. Cause Joshua also had a heart that was completely God's. Does God have your heart? Um, maybe you're afraid to obey. You just, you need help.
0: Let some people pray with you, help you get across whatever barriers in your way. Maybe you're afraid of what, uh, the shame that's going to accompany bringing out whatever it is you need to do. Uh, fear's a thief, fear, shame. It's just keeping you from the blessing. God wants, God wants to work you through it, get it behind you, get it in the rearview mirror so you can get on to that place of blessing. But uh, yeah, there's a lot more that I needed to say, but I don't, I don't know that I need to say a whole lot more. But that Psalm 95, I was just thinking about that. So today, when I'm at the, I'm at the kind of the, almost a, in, in a sense, like kind of entering into the promised land. There's something I want to see God do. Because like, Ted, you are kind of sort of floppy, obeying me. I want wholehearted, complete surrender. If we want to see revival, we want to see more of the good stuff that God's doing, we have to be wholeheartedly surrendered, yielded to God's will. Now, make sure you young Christians you are getting around people who know the Bible better than you do because the devil will try to take advantage of this. When you sell out, and I just had a conversation this week. Somebody said, oh man, I'm really overwhelmed. I think God's telling me to do this. And I was like, no. That, that's not the Lord. He, he wouldn't. And then I explained to him why biblically. And I talked to somebody else and they thought God was leading them down another path. And I said, no, that, that wasn't the Lord. Look at the fruits, look at the outcome. But that wasn't the Lord either. So mature people can help you. There are some things that you don't need to have any kind of spiritual discernment. Are you walking in purity, honesty, forgiveness, humility, truthfulness, financial integrity, right? All those kind of things. Doesn't take a rocket scientist spiritually. Uh, when I surrendered to the Lord,
1: when I was I'm trying to think, eighteen. All right, gotta stop drinking. Didn't need to hear a sermon on that one.
0: Can't hang out with my drinking buddies anymore. Right. Sorry, honey. This is going to be brutal. Gotta break up with the girl with the Chevy Nova muscle car that uh, doesn't know the Lord. Right. Yeah, I was white trash. So. There's just some things that, yep, probably ought to stop listening to satanic music. That would be a good idea. Nobody had to tell me any of this stuff. It was just obvious. Probably ought to start showing up in church. I figured all this out on my own. I didn't need a, you know, an angel to come and whatever. And these things lined up. They're pretty, pretty obvious from scripture. That, um, so start there. Some of you guys are fudging on those things. You're not telling the truth. You're not being faithful. You're grumbling and complaining. You're not trusting. You're not showing up. You're not in the church. You're supposed to be in blah, 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 blah. It's just the most obvious stuff. And then some of you guys have some higher level stuff. Big changes, breakups, job changes, you know, life shifts, getting away from certain friends that drag you
1: down, et cetera, et cetera. So you got the point. And uh, I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to say something else. So, Father, we come before in Jesus'
0: name. We thank you. Lord, you want us to have the fullness of life. That's what you you said, Jesus. You said that I came, that you might have life and have it to the full. And it's there for us, but we have to obey. We have to be born again, full of your spirit so we can hear, so the stuff will make sense. But you give us the power through your Holy Spirit. And uh, you want to work in this church, and you are working, and we love it. We love seeing it. We love being a part of it. We love seeing transformation of life and hearing stories of people who aren't being delivered from impossible things, and we want more. But, God, it's often us. This morning, it was me standing in your way. I don't want to stand in your way. I want you to have everything, access to everything, Lord, I love pastoring this church. I don't have to pastor this church. If there's someone better, bring them here and send me where you want me to go. Lord God, I don't need my house. I don't need my cars. There's nothing I need but you and your approval. And and I need to hear your word. And uh, give me the strength to obey. And I just pray that this morning, Lord, I know there's people in here that have stuff to hammer through, work through. And I just pray in Jesus' name that uh, we could take care of business and become a
1: place where your glory rests. We love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.